0: Good morning. So good to, to be here with you today. Um, my name is Brandon, and uh, I'm excited to jump into the book of Acts. So, you know, we, we just finished up on Monday, if you've been with us, uh, a season of prayer and fasting for 30 days um, where we were just humbling ourselves before the Lord. And and in a lot of ways, I don't know if you feel like this, it, it feels like a finish line. This past Monday, it felt like a finish line. And I go, did any, of you, did any of you have a hard time getting going this week? That, you know, I, I look at my personal um, week and I just had it was hard to, to come to God's presence this week as crazy as that sounds like 30 days of intentionally seeking God on behalf of the lost and then for whatever reason we get out of that season I found myself just being really like not distant but it was just hard to get in God's presence did, did any of you guys relate to that? Um, You know, my my wife, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter all got the flu, which meant that I was sleeping on a mattress in our den, and you know, you sleep really good that way if you didn't know, if you want to try that. If you're looking for good sleep, try it out tonight, and and man, I I realized I was waking up early and just being overrun overrun with worry. I was taking care of my sick family, which means I wasn't working, and I'm just thinking about all the things that I needed to get done, And, and I'm reading through just in my time. I'm reading through First Chronicles. Don't know the last time you read through 1 Chronicles? If you want to read a bunch of names, go read First Chronicles. And my heart's not sanctified yet where I'm just getting all this like revelation from the Holy Spirit as I'm reasoning about all these random people that lived. And, and this, week was, was by, like, this, this week was not marked by like freshness. That This week was not marked by my incredible focus. And I don't know what, what your week was like. And, and, and yet, at the same time, I, I look and... I'm seeing all this activity of God in our church, in our city, and it's so unbelievably encouraging. And I see what God is doing and I'm going, God, I want more. I want more for me, I want more for us, I want more for our city, I want more for for the kingdom of God here in Nashville. You know, Last Sunday night, if you're able to join us, 33 people went down into the waters of baptism. Yeah, 33 people took that step in front of strangers to go, man, I wanna be fully identified with you, Jesus. You know, we, 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 we wrote these letters to every person in our city and, and I got a letter last week. How many of you guys got a letter in the mail? So a couple of you. And I, and I got that and I was telling my kids, I'm like, hey, do you realize that, that someone for the past month has been praying for us? That God has been answering prayers on our behalf that someone else is praying and, and, or, or I think about this, this message that, that someone reached out and sent to us and I want to share it this morning. Lady emailed us, said, several weeks ago, my husband and I were watching the news when we saw the story about the postcards, and we both thought it was such a cool idea. Fast forward to today. My husband received one of the postcards, and it could not have come at better timing. He was just released from the hospital yesterday after having been suicidal, and then this morning on his way to work, he got into a wreck. Needless to say, it hasn't been the greatest of weeks. But receiving this postcard from a complete stranger that has been praying for him for the past month certainly has given him the little bit of hope and encouragement he needs to get through another day. And for that, I thank you. And so I go, man, I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're weak, if this past season has been wonderful, or if you just come here like limping in, you just feel incredibly weak. But I want you to know that no matter what you feel, no matter how you come this morning, God is working in such powerful ways. And in so many ways, this is the the very beginning of what I believe God wants to do in our city. God is really doing something. He's actually doing something. And maybe we've lost some of our spiritual steam. Maybe you lost some of your spiritual stamina day two of the fast, but that doesn't change God. It doesn't change his heart. It doesn't change his desire. You know, uh, last week at the baptism, Dave shared this, that in 1880, It was the last time in the month of February that it rained as much as it did last February. And you know what also happened in 1880? It's when the largest revival started a Tennessee history has ever seen. And I wake up this morning and what's coming down out of the sky? And if you're like me, you're annoyed. You're like, give us sunshine, God. Quit sending the rain. We've had enough rain. But I, I wonder if God is using this physical reality to keep showing us what he's wanting to do spiritually that we're like annoyed by it, right? We're annoyed by the rain. We're we're tired from the fast. We're tired of pressing into God and God is saying, I've got so much more. Beginnings are fun. They can be fun. Think about the beginning of a relationship or when you were 16 and and you began to drive. You began a new job. Beginnings are marked with adventure, they're they're marked with with fun, but the reality is that beginnings are not just all fun. So often beginnings, things are so unbelievably hard because it comes with adjustments, right? Just ask a new mom, right? You're you're in the hospital and it's all sweet, you're holding this new baby, but two weeks later, that baby won't sleep, right? And and, and the newness starts to wear off and and, and you're going, man, what do we get ourselves into? And you start to make these adjustments or you think, about, you think about, you start a new job and you're so excited, you're so hopeful about, about meeting new people and stepping into this new role, but you step in there and you realize, I don't know anyone here. I have no idea what I'm doing. And all of a sudden the, the newness wears off and, and you go, man, how am I going to survive this? How am I going to do this? God is doing something in our city. God is doing something new in our city. And there have been some really fun things that have happened the past five or six weeks. If you got to be with us at the Ryman when we kicked off, you know, to to see all the people that were up on stage praying, to see the, the ethnic diversity and yes, the same unity in Jesus, like it just, it was amazing. To hear the prayers of people that were 20 years old, 30 years old, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. It was amazing to be a part of that. Last Sunday night, watching people go down into the water, watching kids and people dance, become undignified before the Lord. It's fun. Man, to to pray for, to to know that every Christian or or 30,000 Christians in our city were praying for the lost in our city together, man, that is so much fun. I don't know about you, man, but, but I enjoyed that season. Not the fasting part, but I loved the the intensity with which I was seeking God. I loved how much I thought about people besides myself. I loved how often I was inviting people to church. How how much that the the Lord was just raising the spiritual temperature in my heart. But what happens when the newness starts to wear off? You know, we're, we're going, man, let's let's seek God's heart. Let's let's be a people. And so instead of just having a season of prayer and fasting, let's devote the first day of every month to praying and fasting. And so we got done on Monday and the first day of prayer and fasting was on Friday. And I don't know if you were like me, but you're like, man, this is hard. And if you didn't fast on, on Monday, set your calendar for April 1st and fast with us and pray with us for the sake of the lost. It's hard stepping in to to continually keeping our heart before the Lord, thinking about lost people. We do not naturally drift there. We drift back. We don't drift further into the heart of God. We drift away from God's heart. It takes effort, but it's hard. The letters that we sent out, receiving some pushback. People are offended. They think it's creepy, and and I hear this last night, and, and I want to shrink back a little bit. I'm like, man... Are we, we're sorry, <laughs> right? That, that, that so often when, 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 when the newness wears off and, 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 and reality hits and we realize how far people in our city are from God, it's so much easier just to drift back into life as normal. But let me ask you, how many of you still have someone in your life in need of Jesus? Like if they were to die today, they would not spend eternity with God. And that's not fun to talk about, but it's reality. And we can pretend, we can kind of mask it, we can turn from the truth. But how many of you have people in your life in, in need of Jesus? How many, people, how many of you have people in your life in need of his healing touch? They're suffering incredibly and the doctors can't find a cure and medicine isn't seem to be helping. They, they need Jesus. How many of you come here this morning and you don't have to try hard to think about someone in your life in need of the touch of Jesus. So what keeps us going when we don't feel like it? (laughs) When we're tired, when we've given, when we don't feel like we have anything else to give? For the next several months, we're gonna be teaching through the book of Acts. And Acts, if you don't know, is the story of the church. You're like, what church, this church? No, like the, the global church. The only church. It's a biography from the very beginning that that tells how Christianity started and and why it started and where it spread from and and where it spread to. And and it marks from uh, up until about 66, 67 AD. It tells a story of of where we came from, of our spiritual ancestors. And, And I'm excited about jumping into this series. But we're not jumping into this so that we can talk about how cool the things that God did so many years ago. We're not studying through the book of Acts so we can talk about the things that God did a long time ago. Man, we're, we're, we're studying through this so that we can see the ways that God has worked through ordinary people to take his extraordinary message to the ends of the world and so that it would inspire us to keep living lives of bold faith, and power, and courage, and love. The life-changing word about Jesus kept being shared. Like after he ascended to heaven, the, the, the message that kept changing people's life, the movement kept spreading, despite opposition from people who were offended. Despite opposition from the the spiritual world that we can't see, but that wishes to squash the work of God, despite physical storms and rain, despite physical illnesses, the, the work and the message of Jesus kept moving and kept spreading and kept going, even though everything was working against it. And we're going, how in the world did that happen? How do we keep that happening in our city? Because we look at our lives, we look at our culture, we look at our country, and there are so many things that are working against us, that are working against Jesus. And it's so easy to just go, man, let's just quit. Let's just do our own thing. Let's just show up to church. Let's just check the boxes. I'm going, there's a world that doesn't know Jesus. And God has sent us to do something about it. And so we're studying through the book of Acts. To go, how do, you, how do you carry a movement? I heard this quote one time. It said that said that revival always starts in the heart of God, but it always ends in the heart of man. That's never God's desire to quit giving his spirit, to quit giving his love. What happens what God is starting in our city, where He's 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 opening our eyes to the lostness of people around us. What is going to happen? It's not that God's ever going to quit caring. He's not going to be content. He showed us that He's not content until every person comes home. What happens is that you and I grow content. You and I become complacent. We say we've had enough. It's too hard. The resistance from people and from the enemy is too much. God, we're done. We're just going to play it safe. And that is not how the movement of God started that's not how it's going to stop in our church either, in our city. So Acts chapter one, first three verses is just a brief recount of the big events of Jesus' life. Jesus, the Christ, died on a Friday afternoon. He, he, he was laid in a tomb, fully dead. Three days later, the power of God comes on him. his heart starts beating again. He comes out of the tomb. He's fully alive, over a period of 40 days, he appears to men and women, proving that he was alive, showing them, touch my hands, put your hand in my side where the spear was driven. He's eating food, he's, he's drinking drink. They are convinced that, that Jesus is alive. He has many conversations. He says that he's teaching about the kingdom and yet Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he starts out the biography of the church by giving us a glimpse into one conversation, Out of all the conversations that Jesus had, why does he focus in on this one? Why does he choose out of 40 days? Think about all the things that you talked about over the past 40 days. And yet he hones in here. And this is what he says. Verse four. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. They they saw Jesus. Right? Like, isn't that what hangs the majority of us up? Man, you can't see God. You can't see God's face. You can't hear God's voice. And so, so often what happens is when we, when we can't see God, we can't feel God, we start to drift from God. And yet here these guys are, they, they see Jesus face to face, post, they watched him be crucified. They see that he is alive. And I'm going, what else do they possibly need, right? So, uh, so many of us were going, man, if I could just see Jesus, right, Cable's okay, like, if I, could, if I could just see Jesus, man, then I would be all in then there would be nothing that stops me. Have you ever thought that? If I could just see his face, if I could just know that he was real, then nothing would stop me from being all in. And yet Jesus shows us something different. We're going, what else do you need? You see the resurrected Jesus, what else do you need? It's like, why doesn't he just cut them loose and say, tell everyone what you've seen? Because a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus is not enough to sustain what God wants to do. Listen to what he says. Wait. What does he tell him to wait for? The Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus knew that in order to carry out God's vision, you and I, we need more than just a glimpse of the resurrected Lord. In order to carry out a God-sized vision, God's vision, you need the Spirit of the living God. What is God's vision? It's First Timothy two. It's what we've studied the past month in Luke fifteen. It's that every person would come to know God. God's not sitting around going, you know, I've got, I've got a billion people who are on my side. That's good enough. No, God's heart is for every person. Because he knows that people who aren't living with him, they're not experiencing forgiveness. They're not experiencing the grace and the kindness of who God is. And God's heart is for the world. And you and I, man, we we, what he wants us to understand is that a glimpse of Jesus is not enough for us. Some of you, man, you've, you've seen the Lord. You've heard him speak to you, but you know that something is missing. And it's because you've never offered your life to him in baptism. You're his friend, but you're not his follower. You've never been filled with the spirit of the living God. You know, he says, I want you to wait. And in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And and you read that and, and maybe you're confused. You're like, what does that even mean? I've been baptized, but have I been baptized with the Holy Spirit? The word baptized, it it means to immerse. It means to go under. In the same way that that a believer, when when they understand that that Jesus has, has fully paid for their sins, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is coming back for them, and when a believer says, I want to live my life for you, God, they go down into the water. In the same way you come under the water, man, when you submit your life to Jesus, you come under the authority of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is poured out on men and on women, and we are to be guided by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. What it means to be baptized is that you come under the influence and the leadership and the authority of God's Spirit. We need the Spirit of the living God, and there's good news. Because if you've given your life to Him, you have the fullness of the Spirit. You haven't been given the JV Spirit right? So often we, we go, man, I'm not as good as so-and-so and, and I'm not as devoted. I must not have that spirit. And he says, no, same spirit has been poured out on every person. He keeps going to verses six and seven. He says, then they gathered around him. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. And so they're still thinking about what they knew And all they knew was was different world powers raise up and, and they whip everyone else and they put them in submission. And so they're going, hey, is it time that you're gonna elevate us Jews again? Are you gonna elevate the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus doesn't come down hard on them. He just redirects them. He says, I don't want you to miss this. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I really want to hone in on this sentence for basically the rest of our time. Of all the words he chooses, why does he choose the word power? He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why doesn't he say you will receive love, you will receive a tender heart, you will receive courage? Why is it that he says you will receive power? This power is the same word that is used that we're gonna see all throughout the book of Acts. It, it, it means miraculous. It comes with, with, with not just proclamation of the word, but with demonstration of the power of the word. He says, you will be clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, the Holy Spirit comes with the fullness of God's power. This is not a conditional statement. It's a promise that is given with certainty. He's not saying that some of you will be given the spirit with, with real power and some of you just get the spirit. You all get the spirit, you all get the power. But this is a question I've been asking like personally is, is it possible to have this power but not be tapping into it? You know, this is what I love. What, what is it that he tells us that the power is, is to be used for? to be his what? Say a little bit louder. Witnesses. Witnesses. That word is so important. The Greek word, it actually, it has two meanings. It means witness, like the way that we think about a witness in a courtroom, but it also means the word martyr. And there's some richness to what Luke is trying to tell us about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That, that we witness, that a witness in a courtroom simply does what? They just simply show up and they tell the things that they've seen. Right? And a lot of us, were really comfortable with that idea. We're, we're comfortable talking about God. We're comfortable talking uh, about the things that we've seen God do and then leaving. And it's like, hey, okay, hey, I told them about things that God has done. It's off my plate. I've done my job. And he says, that it's, there, there's another side to this. It's not that you're just gonna be a witness for Jesus. You're gonna be a martyr for Jesus. You'll give your, your life to Jesus. That you and I would be so completely wrapped up in and devoted to Jesus that we would die to ourselves in order to live for Christ. Think about all the Christians throughout the past 2,000 years that were physically martyred for Jesus. They gave their lives because Christ was worth it to them. And this is what Jesus is after. Nothing less, nothing short of this. People who are completely wrapped up in and devoted to Jesus. That we are people who, who freely and fully and happily talk about him. They talk about the things that we've seen God do. The things that we've seen in the scriptures, the things that we've seen in our lives, the things that we're seeing in our city, we are his witnesses, but we're also his martyrs. We die to ourselves, our desires, making our name great, our plans in order to make Christ known. You see, the Holy Spirit is given to us to be his witness. The Holy Spirit is given to us to help us die to ourselves. You know, if a witness, if a witness doesn't testify in court, what happens? Let's think of it, a tragedy. You lose somebody you love and there's a witness that was there, that, that saw it, that can testify. But the witness refuses to talk. How does that make you feel? What does that do in your heart when when you know that someone has seen something, encountered something, and yet they're keeping their mouth shut? Oh, it infuriates you, right? You're dumbfounded. Why in the world won't you just talk? Just just open your mouth, Just, just share. And that's so many of us oh, that is hard, that's stepping on toes. Man, we are people who have seen and experienced and yet we never talk about it to people who really need to hear it. Or you think about the other side of this. Man, maybe you're a witness, you're comfortable talking about God, but you're not willing to be a martyr. And I go, man, how many of us, if we're being completely honest with Jesus, he's just a friend with benefits. Man, we're interested in, in what he can give to us but we're not really interested in being faithful to him. Wow, that is convicting to me. When was the last time that you talked about Jesus? About who he is, what he's done in your life to someone other than people in your house church or in this church or in your family? We're not comfortable doing that. We often call the Holy Spirit the comforter. That word goes back to the translation by John Wycliffe, the man who translated the Bible from Latin into English. He was a martyr for Jesus in the 14th century. Before that, though, he translated the Bible into English, and he used this word comforter that we have clung to. But in the 14th century, that word meant something different than it does today. in Latin, that word means fortis, and I didn't take Latin, I took Spanish, and so I maybe not said that right, but um, that word, you know what it means? It means brave. See, the, the comforter, that's, that's what it meant in the 14th century, that the Holy Spirit is the one who fills God's people with Courage fills God's people with with strength. I go, why don't we witness more about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our lives, what he's done in the scriptures? Why? Because we're much more comfortable with the Holy Spirit that comforts us in the private places than we are a Holy Spirit that empowers us in the public places. We are much more comfortable with, with God comforting us And don't hear me saying this, because God is most certainly the comforter. God speaks that, that that is absolutely who God is. But we are way more comfortable with a God that, that comforts us than God who fills us with courage, why? Because it doesn't cost us. It costs us nothing for God to comfort us in the privacy of our own homes, when we're weak, when we're tired. And God does that, okay? What is going to happen when you and I start freely talking about Jesus? What's going to happen? I'll tell you the first thing that's going to happen. You're going to start to experience the real power of God. And it doesn't make sense, but God says, "If, if I've put you here to be my witnesses, and I'm giving you the spirit to do that, It is possible for us to not be tapping into the Holy Spirit because we are trying to get the Holy Spirit to come on our agenda instead of us being bent for the agenda of the kingdom of heaven. What's gonna start happening? You're gonna experience the power of God. You're also gonna experience all kinds of resistance. (laughs) People are not gonna like it. I'm just telling you right now. And the things are gonna continue to get worse for us as God's people. We're gonna be misunderstood. Man, we're gonna be called closed-minded, exclusive, intolerant, imposing. But do you want the power of God to flow through your life? Man, do you, do you, do you want to, to go to bed at night going, God, use me today. And God held me up today because I was willing to be fully obedient to him and to talk about him freely. The reality is it's so much easier to say nothing. And and somehow we've been convinced that we can do this as Christians, that that we can just keep to ourselves, that we can just do our own thing. And the problem is that when, when we make Christianity about us, about playing it safe, is that we never experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We're never living into what it is that God has created us to do. You know, some of you, you, you hear this, that, that God has, has commissioned us to, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And some of you, you've just completely disregarded this. You read over this Bible verse and, and you go, man, I'm introverted. And that's not the role that I play on the team. That this doesn't apply to me. Some of you have disregarded this command. Some of you have become distracted from this command. You know, this past week, I realized how the, just everything in life Is is constantly trying to pull us away from from being focused on the things that matter most. And so often what we do as God's people is we get distracted and then we just kind of relegate. We go, man, mission is gonna have to wait because I've got all these other things that are are coming for my attention. And we and we excuse ourselves from being faithful to being God's witnesses. Just this past week, my wife gets the flu. My daughters get the flu. Merit breaks her toe on Friday. She drops a little dumbbell on her toe. And I'm going, man, it is so easy. I'm I'm sitting at the hospital like on Friday with her. And it is so easy to, to just become distracted. God has made us to be witnesses. And we look at our life and we're going, yeah, we'll get to that once we get all this taken care of. Some of us disregard this, some of us are distracted, some of us divide this command. And what I mean by that is, is that you read this and, 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 and you go, man, I have such a heart for the globe and I'll get on the plane and I'll go to Africa or I'll go to, to South America, I'll go wherever it is and I will live on mission, but man, I don't have to do anything here. And some of you, it's the exact opposite. You go, man, I, Nashville is my neighborhood. I'm living on mission here. It's all about the lost here. And you'll never get on a plane and, and go and serve across the world. And we divide this command, we make it easier for us. We make it fit what is comfortable to us. Some disregard it, some are distracted, some divide it, some discuss it. Man, we love to sit around coffee shops and talk about this. <laughs> I do too. But what happens when we actually start doing this? What happens when we actually take it serious that that we get to be the people that testify to God's goodness? I think about Camille who testified last week about praying for her friend that is Muslim. And I go, Camille gets it. She gets it. I think about my friend Stan. and Stan was in town five or six years ago and I remember we were eating lunch over at the listening room. Do you guys ever eat the listening room when it's over at Cummins Station? And, and we used to go over there uh, quite often for, for lunch and, and I remember um, we were getting our food and he, and he did something and it just completely embarrassed me and it shouldn't have, but he just asked the waiter like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for this food. Is there anything that is going on in your life that we can just pray for you about? And I'm like sitting there embarrassed, going, man, this person knows us. Like we're here all the time. And that just exposes my heart. And I remember talking to him uh, a few minutes after that. And he said, Do you realize that, that if when you meet somebody, if you don't let them know that, that, uh, that you're a person of faith, if you don't talk about Jesus in one of the first three conversations, chances are you'll never talk about Jesus. And it stretched me. And it's not about us checking a box. It's not us about going, hey God, we, we, we did this faithfully. It's going, God, you've done so much for us. You know, who is Jesus talking to right here? He was talking to the apostles. You know, want to know what, what, what happened just a few days, a few weeks earlier with the apostles? None of them were faithful to Jesus. That he, he died alone on a cross and all of them left. They all left him. They all abandoned him. They weren't faithful to him. They were faithless. Their, their hearts wandered away. They slid back into to normal way of living. And Jesus shows up and he says, you're forgiven. I'm filling you with the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. It was Jesus that changed them. It was Jesus, his love and his mercy that that moved them from being people that disregarded and were distracted and who divided and who simply discussed this to being people who actually did it. They understood that, that although they had sinned, Christ had covered their sin. That they would not be judged for their sin, but that they were in God's graces because of what Jesus had done. They understood that they were loved by God, that there was nothing that they could do that could outrun the love of God for them. They understood that Christ had been buried, that Christ had risen so they could bury the person that they were. They could come alive, the person that God destined them to be. It was the gospel that changed them. It's the goodness of Jesus, the realness of Jesus, the fact that, that you will be with God forever because of what Christ has done for you. And when he takes your sin and when he fills you with his spirit, you'll never settle for anything less than doing this. And so I want to encourage us as we're wrapping things up today. Two things. How, so how do we live into this very practically? The first, pay attention to the opportunities that are opened. And step through them. God will open doors. God is gonna open opportunities for you to, to, to talk about Jesus this week. To talk about the things that God is doing in your life, to talk about the things that God is doing in your city. And when God opens the door, just step through them. Just take a step. You know, it's really cool. I've had this desire to, to start serving with, um, with, with, at the school that my daughter goes to. And through some amazing just kind of events that I get to meet the principal and she says, hey, why don't you come, come up to my office and, and, and come meet with me? And I'm having flashbacks to third grade when I got called to the principal's office, but, but I know this is gonna be a good conversation. And, and she says, hey, well, what do you wanna do? How do you wanna serve? How do you wanna help? And I said, I have no idea. Like just however you wanna use me, that's, that's what I want. And she said, okay, there, there are a couple of boys and all their home lives, they're, it's just a mess. Would you be willing to come up here and, and we'll pull them out of class and you can just spend some one-on-one time with these kids just, just talking. You can talk about whatever you wanna talk about. These kids just need some positive, just male, just, just love in their life. And so I get to go up there. I'm sitting in the hall with these boys and, and I'm having this conversation with this boy and, and he's telling me about his, his home life and it just breaks my heart. And I ask him, I'm like, hey, do you, do you know who God is? And this is what this fourth grader said to me. Oh yeah, I know God. God has been the father to me that my earthly father never has been. And I'm going, oh my goodness. Or one of these other boys we're, we're sitting out in the hall, and, and I learned that he has a basketball game coming up this next week. And, and he said, hey, he said, I've got a game on Saturday. And I'm like, oh, cool. What time is it? And, and he tells me. And so uh, Courtney has Finley, she's at the Galentine's lunch, and I have Jones and Merritt, four-year-old, two-year-old, and it's nap time for Merritt. And yet I just feel God going, hey, you, you gotta go to that game. You gotta go watch him play. Merritt's nap's gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. And so I go to the gym and I'm walking in. I'm like, is this a mistake? Should I be here right now? And I walk in and he is standing right there with his mom, no dad in the picture. And his, his face lights up like it's Christmas morning. And he says, Mom, this is a guy that I told you was going to come watch me play today. And I'm like, what if I didn't come? And I go, God is going to open up opportunities for you, and only if you step through them will you see the power of God at work. But you have to make the choice to take a step. Uh, Pay attention to the opportunities that are open. The second thing, be willing to take a risk. And this is where most of us are like, I don't know about that. I know you're nervous. I know you're nervous how people are, what they're gonna think about you, what they're gonna say, how they're gonna react. And the reason I know that you're nervous is because I'm nervous. (laughs) And I wanna just let you know, man, pray for power. And you're not gonna bat 1,000, right? In baseball, you get a hit one out of three and you make the all-star team. (laughs) If you have one good conversation out of three, just be willing to take a risk. My neighbor used to live across the street. Didn't know where he was. I knew that every Sunday morning, man, they, they stayed at home. And so I said, do you, do you, are you interested? Do you want to come to church? It took a risk. No idea what he's going to think. No idea if he's going to, you know, shut all his blinds and just pull into his garage and never talk to me again. Take a risk. Take a risk asking my neighbor as he tells me, hey, my, my daughter is, 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 I haven't seen her in weeks. I have no idea what's going on. I take a risk. Hey, can I come over and pray with you? Take some risk. Be okay. Bat in 100. Be okay. One good conversation. It's our job to be his witnesses. He gives us the power. We lean in. I want to invite you. Will you put that slide up real quick? We're going to take communion here, and we do this every week as a way to, to draw near to Jesus as a way to remember that He's died for us and He's risen again. And I want to encourage us to get in groups and to take a, a minute and just to, to share, hey, when, when you think about being a witness to Christ, how do you most connect? Like And we'll leave this up here for you to take a look at, but I want you to answer honestly. And then pray for each other and and go, God, would you help me to to actually do this? And then go to that next slide real quick. We can come back to this one. But I want to encourage you. This is your homework. To answer these two questions. We're not going to have time to do this today, but I encourage you to to do this, this later this afternoon or sometime this week. Why do you follow Jesus? Like, think about it. Why do you follow him? Peter tells us, always be willing to give the reason for the hope that we profess. And I'm going, God's gonna give you some opportunities this week to testify to him. And this is just to to prompt you to be thinking, why do you follow him? The second thing is, I wanna invite you to think about who is your one this year? We spent all last month talking about the one, going after the one, going after the one. Who is your one this year? Who's one person in your life that doesn't know Jesus that you go, man, for the the rest of this year, April 1st, May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, and all in between, I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna pray. And and I'm gonna baptize them. And they're gonna be sitting beside me sometime in church as, as a worshiper and as a follower of Jesus. And right now they're distant and I'm going, that is what God has made you, what he's made me to do. And we've got these empty seats, and we've got all this space, and I'm going, man, let's, let's care about each other, most certainly, but let's care about people who don't know Jesus. And may God use our lives. May when God looks at us, God sees, Megan, that's my witness, <laughs> that's my martyr. And when God looks at Parker, that's my witness, that's my martyr, because God sees our hearts. And if our hearts aren't where we want them to be, just bring them to God. You can come to the respond banner. My wife and I, Andrew, there'll be some others in the back. We'd pray for you. And as we take communion, as we eat the bread, drink the cup, I invite you to switch back to that other slide. Let's pray through those things. Let me pray and then we'll go take communion. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for these men and women. And I just pray, God, that if anything was said from me, that's not from you, that you just allow it to be forgotten, that you would forgive me. I am a, a sinful man. And God, the things that are from you that they would stick in our hearts. And so open our eyes in communion. God, call us into deeper places. Fill us with the Spirit to testify to you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen.